let me let me help you with this. Things my mom taught me. She taught me faith. You better pray that stain comes out of that carpet. She taught me about time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. Taught me about logic because I said so. That's why. Taught me about irony. Iron, irony. <laughs> Didn't teach me how to talk, but taught me how to keep crying and I'll give you something to cry about. Taught me about anticipation. Just wait till your dad gets home. Taught me about wisdom. When you're, when you're my age, you'll understand. And finally, she taught me about justice. One day you'll have kids, and I hope they turn out to be just like you. We are in the book of James. We're studying through the book. This is the fourth, I think, fourth or fifth part of this series. So if you have your Bible, turn to James chapter 2. Some Mother's Day are kind of standalone messages. Other Mother's Day aren't. This is one that's not a standalone. We're just going through this book, this series, and I, I hope, I, I, think it'll, I think it'll be good. So before we get to James 2, you got your outline ready. I need to set it up with the book of Romans and some of Paul's teaching and Paul's writing. Because at first glance, it might sound a little contradictory if you don't have the proper context. And so Paul, you know, he wrote a third of the New Testament. And they say his greatest theological masterpiece was the book of Romans. And Romans, the whole idea of Romans is justification by faith. You can't work for your faith. You can't earn salvation. You can't be good enough for salvation. It's a gift of God, not of works. Here he summed up, the book of Romans is summed up, I think, in chapter 322. 16 chapters, focuses on this one verse, and then it tries to illustrate it throughout the book. Righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And again, here's what Paul... Let me, let me, now let me go back to the beginning of time. So God knew before, before you came alive, before Adam and Eve were around, that man would rebel, that man would turn from God, that God, man would disobey God. So it says from the foundations of the world, God set into motion, he set into a plan that he would redeem mankind. And his plan was Jesus. And so he sent his son, his son came to earth, he lived as a man, he, found, he was found in appearance as a man. He healed the sick. He delivered the demoniac. He rebuked the demons. He helped the needy. He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He raised the dead. He contended with the religious and he emerged victorious. And right before the most important event in all of history, him going to a cross, he wrote in John 17, 4, Father, I have finished everything you've given me to do. And then courageously he went to the cross where he stretched out his arms, died sacrificially, that we could live. And what, Jane, what Paul is saying, that Christ, salvation, righteousness, all through the book of Romans, is Christ plus nothing. We cannot add anything to salvation. It's not Jesus plus baptism, or Jesus and a good life, or Jesus and tithing, or trying harder, because Jesus plus anything ruins everything. It's all, Paul, all throughout his writing, it's all Jesus. It's only Jesus. It's all, it will always be Jesus and Jesus alone. We are not to do anything. We are to trust in the one who has done everything. And the Bible calls that faith. Righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Then we get to the book of James. James is the, it's the first New Testament book written. It's written by the half-brother of Jesus to scattered Christians in that area. And, and James 
comes along, and this is what James says in James 2.26. We'll start here, and then we'll move back to the verse 13 or 14. Faith without works is dead. Well, Paul just told me that all I got to do is believe. But now James says I got to do something. What, 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 don't they contradict? What's, what, aren't they on the, are they not on the same page? Do these guys, do they not serve the same God? One, all I got to do is believe. The other one, I, I got to believe, but I got to do something. And here's what you need to know. The audience is different. When Paul is writing the church at Rome, James is writing the scattered Christians, the audience is different. It's like if you were at the doctor's office and they say there's three rooms and there's each person in a room, you're in one room, and you hear the doctor tell the first patient, hey, you need to lose, you need to lose weight. You need to exercise. You need to, you need to quit. You need to, here's a regimen. 30 minutes of cardio, 30 minutes of resistance training every other day. You need to be more active. And then he goes to the next room and says, you need to be more immobile. You need to stay. You don't need to move. For the next six months, you don't do anything. You just sit. You take care. You, you don't move too much. And you would say, well, is that doctor contradictory? He's giving patients different remedies. And, and no, he's talking to two patients. The first patient's overweight, has diabetes, high blood pressure. He needs to move more. The second patient has a broke leg in three, in three places. He needs to be still more. They don't contradict one another. It's just different patients. James and Paul are writing different audiences. Paul is writing to Gentile converts who think they have to be, do more. They're afraid. Well, yeah, I gave my life to Christ, but don't I have to do more? The Jews got circumcised, and they got all these religious rituals, and this has been too easy. I don't even think I'm saved. I'm not even going to heaven. I'm going to hell. And Paul is saying, relax. All you got to do is trust in the finished work of Jesus. Just trust in what he did. James is talking to, to Jews that have been saved for a season. And their attitude is, I don't have to do anything. I trusted and now I'm fine. I can live like I want to live. I can act like I want to act. I can, I can think what I want to think. I can say what I want to say. I can do whatever I want to do. And James is saying, that, no, 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 wait a minute. That's not, that's not true. The, the audience is different. Not only the audience different, the perspective is different. Paul is talking about how you know you're a Christian. James is talking about how you show you're a Christian. So Paul, you'd come and say, Pastor, how do I know I'm a Christian? And my first question would be, well, do you know Jesus? Have you accepted him, invite him into your heart? If you say no, then I'd say, well, you're not a Christian. Well, if you say, yeah, well, I was in the eighth grade. I made a commitment at a church. And, and uh, yeah, it was 25 years ago, but, but I, I made that commitment. I believed in God. I invited him in my heart. The next question I would ask, well, how has your life changed? How is your life different now that you have Jesus? And if the person said, well, my life's not any different, what are you talking about? It just was, you know, it was 25 years ago. I just believe God. Then, then James would say, You're, you, you really don't know God because you can't not know God and not be changed by God. That's what God does. This is how it works. God works for us through Jesus on the cross. He does what we cannot do. He gives his life. He, he makes the ultimate sacrifice. He pays for our sin. We can't do that. He works for us. But then he begins to work in us. When we say yes to Jesus, it's like us getting on the potter's wheel. We become clay in his hands. He begins to shape us, change our appetites, change our desires, change our focus, change our direction. It doesn't mean that we change 
everything overnight. But the things we used to do, we don't like to do anymore. The, th- the, the, the things that used to bring us pleasure, it doesn't work any longer. We no longer love what we used to love. We don't do what we used to do because we are no longer who we used to be. We've been cha- we are being changed by the power of God. And then He begins to work through us. He works for us. He works in us. And then he begins to work through us. Not so, not, he doesn't work through us so God could forgive us. We've already been forgiven. He doesn't work through us so we'll be accepted. We've already been accepted. He works through us because that's what he does with love and compassions and, and good deeds. And, and that's why, that's why uh, Jesus said, and Peter echoed it, let your light shine before men so they see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. He works through us. And then thirdly, the meaning is different. I thought... I thought faith and deeds were, I thought they were counter. I thought they, you didn't even put them in the same sentence. Well, the, the, the uh, meanings are different. When Paul talks about works, he's talking about Jewish works like baptism or, or communion or, or uh, 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 whatever the other works they had. And, and Paul is saying they don't save you. It's like some people will come and do you know Jesus? And they pull out their church membership card and they act like that's a get out of hell pass and and because they're in a church, then they're born again. Look, you can have your name on every roster at every church in Chesterfield County and still not know Jesus. You can be baptized in the church and grow up in the church and, and, and go to church, sit in it every week and get married in the church and have your funeral in the church and close your eyes and end up in hell. Because church doesn't save you. Jesus does. Religion doesn't save you. Jesus does. Tradition doesn't save you. Jesus does. And what, what Paul's audience is, is arguing that they've done all the stuff. And Paul is saying, no, you got to trust in the one that's did it all. And James's audience says, well, we don't have to do anything. And, and James is saying, hey, you need to get, you need to show your faith. You need, you need to reveal it. You remember, you remember when, when you started riding a bike? I, I'm not old, but when I rode a bike, you could leave the driveway. Nowadays, you can't leave the drive. When I rode a bike, mom, I'm going on a bike ride, and you could go to the next state if you were home by dinner time. That, you know, that's the world we lived in. It was a lot safer. It was a lot, I don't know, better, whatever, whatever your perspective is. But I do know you could ride a bike a lot further. Now, you want to ride a bike? Put on your helmet, get out your safety vest, and make sure a paramedic's close by. And don't leave the driveway because, you know, you can't do that. But when I was riding a bike, this is what I knew. If you had a flat tire, you're done. You got to get that thing patched up. You got to change the tube. It's a, you got to get the screwdriver, get the thing. If you, if you ever got your, your jeans stuck in your chain and it popped off the sprocket, I mean, you can't ride a bike without a chain. You got to turn it over. You got to try to figure it all out. Get, wait till dad gets home. Get that. Does anybody even know what I'm talking about? Do you even care? Have you ever ridden a bike? Come on. And then right. This, here's the deceiving thing. I have pedals fall off, and you think you can still ride a bike with one pedal. You, you know, you just sit on the bike, and one leg sticks out because you don't, and this other leg, you just, and let it go around. And it's real deceiving because you think it's still a bike, and it's still okay because it has one pedal, but you can't. You, it's a, it, you cannot ride a bike with one pedal. It, that's what James and Paul are trying to say. Faith was meant to have two parts, two pedals. They weren't opposed to one another. They worked together. It's trust and action. It's faith evidenced by works. This is good. You'll get it 
hopefully, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it is by, here sums up the whole thing. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. That is God working for us through Jesus. Jesus, I believe you came. I believe you, you lived. I believe you resurrected. I believe you died for my sins. I have faith in you. You're the son of God. And this is not of yourself. It is a gift of God. It's, it's a gift. It's free. It's not of works. It's not by going to church or giving in the offering or serving in the nursery or, or being good or, or being better so that no one can boast. You, you can't, you're not going to get to heaven and say, well, I did this good, God, so I deserve. Or, or, you don't deserve anything. I don't deserve anything. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We can't be good enough. We can't do enough. But the next verse says, for we are God's workmanship. That means God's working in us. He's changing us, our appetites, our desires, our budget, our orientation, our, our fear, everything. He's working in us, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. He begins to work through us. We're not saved by our works. We're saved for works. And that's a big difference. And if you, and if you get those out of line, you get those out of whack, it'll mess everything up. And many of our people today think, well, I just got to work harder and then I can be a Christian. And that's not right. But then, but then there's others saying, well, all I got to do, believe, and that everything else is fine. And that's not right. And so, and so James tries to let us know, I don't want you to have a, a dead faith. I, 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 want you to ha- I want you to have a living faith. I want you to have a, a dynamic faith. And so James 2.14 says, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds. Can such a faith save him? It's like asking, what good is it to have a driver's license if you never drive? What good is it to have faith if you don't have any works? What good is it to have a membership to American family if you never go? What? That was supposed to be funny. I know you're still warming up. What good is it to profess to, profess to be generous, but you never give? And the answer is none. Uh, turn in your driver's license. Cancel your membership. Be quiet. It's useless. It's dead. Dead faith says a lot of things, but it doesn't do anything. You know what dead people do? Nothing. You know what dead faith does? Nothing. It's lip service, not lifestyle. And that's what James is trying to combat. That's what James is trying to, it's like the guy that says, I love my wife. Well, great, man. Do you ever, do you ever date her? Well, no, I don't date her. What do you, do you, do you ever talk with her? No, we, we used to talk, but we don't do that anymore. Well, do you live with her? No, I've, I've moved in another apartment. You don't love her. And he, and he, yes, I don't judge my heart. I love her. No, you don't love her. There'd be action. Love has a fruit. Love, love, there, there's something more to just saying it with your mouth. If there is a fire in the chimney, smoke will be coming out. That's what James is saying. If there's faith in your heart, if there's faith in your heart, it'll be evidenced by what you do. So what does faith look like? I, I, here, 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 here's my hope. It, I want you to have dynamic faith. I don't want you to have dead faith, deceived faith, dynamic faith. Here's what it looks like. Dynamic faith is not indifferent, but involved. Write that down, will you? It's not indifferent, but involved. James chapter 2. We're staying in James the whole time now. I'll give you some other scripture, but the core of it's right there. Suppose a brother or sister without clothes or daily food. And I need to, I want to pause for a minute and emphasize 
James emphasizes brothers and sisters, part of the people in the family of God. We have a responsibility to one another. And that, that's why our small groups are so important because you don't even know the needs in this larger body. But when you get in groups of five to ten, you, you, you get to know one another and get to know each other's needs. And, and you know when people are hurting or what they need. And, and there's a real emphasis on caring for, for the, those in the body of Christ. Now, we don't stop there, obviously. But there is an emphasis there. So I just wanted to draw that to your attention. If one of you says to them, so you see this guy, no clothes, doesn't have food, go in peace, keep warm, be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? And that's like if we were leaving today and going to Mother's Day dinner and, and, and I saw you out there and you had just slammed your finger in the door. And I mean, it's hanging by a thread. It's, and I don't want to be gross, but, it, it's, but I kind of do. It's bloody and, and nasty. I mean, I could go, oh, that looks, that looks like it hurts. Whoa, I hate you're going to miss your reservations at O'Charlie's. See, you know, that's like faith. But that's just go, go in peace. Keep warm. Be well fed. What good is it? It's no good. It's dead. Is not the same way. Faith by itself, if not accompanied by action. Hey, how can I help you? You want me to call 911? You want a first aid kit? How can I? What, what do you want me to do? If, if, if faith is not accompanied by action, it's, it's dead. It's like the Good Samaritan story. You, you, some of you are familiar with that story. Jesus was asked by religious leaders, Hey, I want, what do I have to do to have eternal life? I want dynamic faith. Okay, Jesus said, uh, What does the law say? Well, the law says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, if you keep those two, you, you'll, you'll make it. That's dynamic faith. Well, he said, who's my neighbor? And so Jesus tells a story, an illustration, to let him know who his neighbor is. And he says, there was this guy that, he's, he's, a, he's a Jewish guy. He's walking on the road. He gets beat up by some thugs. They, they take all his money. They take his horse, means of transportation. They leave him dead on the side of the road. And there was this priest, this pastor, this preacher. He didn't go to Clover Hill, but he was a pastor. And he was on his way to a prayer meeting. He was going to pray for people that were hurting and needed help. And, and instead of helping him, he went on the other side of the road. He didn't want to get involved. He, he didn't want to be a part. He, he didn't want to uh, uh, help out. He had to get to a prayer meeting. And then another guy comes along, and it was a Levite. You know what a Levite is? It's a worship leader, Pastor Trevor. And, and a Levite comes walking by, and he's singing, Lord, if you can use anything, you can use me. God, I just want to be cur- just whatever you want for me, God. And the whole time he's singing, looking at that fellow just walking by. And the next guy is a Samaritan who's not even supposed to have interaction with a Jew. And he stops, and he bandages him up, gets out the first aid, puts uh, Neosporin on all his wounds, puts on the tourniquet, takes him on his horse, gets him to the end, checks him in. Hey, if there's anything this guy needs, let me know. Put it on my tab, and I'll take care of it when I get, I get back. And, and, and then Jesus asked, which one of those guys was the neighbor? And the expert in the law replied, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. See, dynamic faith takes initiative. Dynamic faith reaches out. Dynamic faith does something. Here's how John says it. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, doesn't do anything for him, 
doesn't show sympathy for him, doesn't reach out to him. How can the love of God be in him? Let us not love with words, not lip service, but lifestyle. But let us love in action and in truth. Because dynamic faith is not indifferent. It's involved. Here's the next thing. Dynamic faith is not invisible, but on display. Dynamic faith. It's not invisible. Here's what James said. But someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. That word show, it means to bring to light, to display or exhibit. Real faith is visible. You can see it. Again, let your light shine before men so they see your good deeds. It's not secretive. It's, well, my relationship with the Lord is just me and Him, and that's all there is. I don't have to do anything, say anything, be anything. No, that's not. That's dead faith. You don't want dead faith. I'm convinced. I, I am so convinced that life with Jesus is better. It's better, but it can't be better if it's just dead, deceived faith. It's got to be better in the sense it's got to be dynamic faith. It's got to be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. It's got to be involved in the life of others. It's not invisible. It's on display. There's a song, I don't know how old or not it is, but Matthew West sings it. And it's entitled, Do Something. And, and I, I won't sing it to you, but I'll read it to you. And he says, I woke up this morning, saw a world full of trouble. Thought, how did we get so far down? How's it ever going to turn around? He must have been watching Fox News. So I turned my eyes towards heaven and I thought, God, why don't you do something? I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty and children being sold to slavery. I got so disgusted and so I looked to heaven and I shook my fist at God and said, God, why don't you do something? And then he said, I did. I created you. And if not us, then who? And if not now, then when? Right now, it's time for us. This is what Matthew West said. It's time for us to do something. I'm so tired of talking about how we are God's hands and feet, but it's easier to say than to be. We live like angels of apathy who tell ourselves it's all right. Somebody else will do something. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of a life with no desire. I don't want a flame. I want a fire. I want to be the one who stands up and says, I'm going to do something. That's what faith is. It's not invisible. It's on display. I'm telling you, we could change our community if all of us just started to do something. If we saw the needs around us and we got, we got out of our narcissistic, and I know it's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. I love you, Mom. I love all you moms, but, 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 but we've got a county to change. We've got a world to influence. We've got a difference to make. And God created us. He created us in Christ Jesus to do good works. There are, there are eight, eight kids. Eight kids came into care last week in Chesterfield County. No, no, eight kids. Came, they came out of a hard place. They came out of dysfunction. They came out of pain. They came out of abuse. They came out of neglect. They came out of homes where their mom's addicted to heroin and the dad beats them every night. They came into care, and we don't have enough homes in Chesterfield County to take care of the eight kids. It's not, it's not supposed to be like that. It's a, the, the, the world is looking to the world. We need to be the church. One of our couples took two of those kids. 
And so they've got a, a six-month-old in their house right now and a 20-month-old. And I'm telling you, the Bucks took those kids not so they could earn God's favor. They already got God's favor. They didn't do it to get a pat on the back. They already know they're accepted by God. They did it because they've been accepted by God. They've been adopted into His family. God has changed their life. And they're not going to sit back and watch. Quit saying America's going to hell in a handbasket and start doing something about it. Let's quit talking about all this mess and let's start making a difference for the glory of God. Amen. That's good preaching. I'm going to amen myself if you don't. If we just did something. I mean, I'll tell you this. We get, we, well, this year we're on track to give $750,000 to missions. Two homes, traditional house, traditional, uh, transitional house, a grace home. And, uh, and I'm going to tell you more about that next week. I'm so excited to tell you about that. 44 missionaries. Ministries all over the world, compassion, care, $750,000. It's on 30% of our people tithing. 30%. Because I think you think, well, I, I can just believe. I don't have to do the word of God. I don't have to honor. I don't have, he doesn't change my budget. He doesn't change my lifestyle. I can just keep on living like the way. Friend, that's, that's, that's not dynamic faith. Dynamic faith is when you come to a place and say, God, I'm going to trust you with all of it. And I'm going to do something. It's not about me. It's about you. It's not about me working for you. You've already worked for me. You're working in me. And now, God, will you just work through me? Dynamic faith is, it's not invisible. It's on display. And you say, you, I'm telling club, we got so much work to do. There are kids that need to be in care. There's churches that need to be planted. There's marriages that need to be restored. There's, there's poor people that need to be fed. And you don't sit back and say you're just preaching works. I'm not preaching works. I'm preaching love. Because love for God and love for people and love for others compels you to action. You know what got Jesus off the throne and into the world? Love. You know what put him on a cross? Love. You know what caused him to reach out to you? Love. I'm not talking about works. I'm talking about love. I'm talking about without, without works, your faith is dead. I'm not yelling at you. You know that. And it's hot in here on Mother's Day. Sweating. Dynamic faith is not intellectual. It's from the heart. Can I just go back to this? Let's do something. Let's do something. Let's find a need and meet it. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Whatever that, whatever that might be in your setting, do something. Real faith is not intellectual, it's from the heart. You believe there's a God? We're back to James 2.19. Well, good. And this is head knowledge. Oh, intellectually, you understand there's a God? Well, great, good for you. Even the demons believe that and shudder. The word shudder means bristle. It's the word, it's, it's illustrated by the hair, the back of your, the hair standing up on the back of your neck. The Bible says that when God's name is mentioned, the demons, they shudder with fear because they know how awesome he is and how great he is and how powerful he is. But they don't, they don't trust him. They don't believe in him. You can have head knowledge, you, you, you can, but it goes past the head and it goes to the heart. Dynamic faith is not, it's not head knowledge, it, it's, it's acted out in the heart. It's, it's, it's John 3, 16, whosoever believeth, the word believeth in this context means cling to, rely on, trust in, commit myself to completely. Whoever believes in, trusts on, clings to, commits to full-heartedly, 
in, in him, in Jesus, shall not perish but have everlasting life. Not, who, not he who knows there's a God or, or realizes there's a God. Here, here's another one in Romans. If you believe, same word, if you trust in, cling to, if you rely on, if you commit yourself completely in your heart, it goes past the head and it flows out of the heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you will be, you'll be saved. It's more than head knowledge. I, I believe in Hitler. I mean, I've read about him in my history books, but I'm not a Nazi. You can believe in Jesus and not really know Jesus. That's why Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? It doesn't, it doesn't even make sense. Obedience is an essential aspect of faith. Dynamic faith is not just saying, I believe. And there's too much easy believism in America. And I think we got this idea, well, I'm an American, or my, my mom was a Christian, therefore I'm a Christian. It, it, it doesn't work like that. There, there's a cross to bear and a commitment to make and a plan to follow and disciplines to develop and an enemy to fight. Dynamic faith is not indifferent. It's involved. It's not invisible. It's on display. It's not head knowledge. It's not intellectual, but it's from the heart. And then James gives us two illustrations. And Trevor, if you'll get ready to come back to the keyboard, don't put up your notes. I got a couple more blanks. But I want some music playing behind me. Was not our ancestors Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You remember, the, you remember that? Abraham praying for a son. God gives him. God says when he's, 70, he's 75 years old, you're going to get a son. He waited 25 more years. He's 100 years old. Sarah's just, you know, she's a spry 90. And, and, and Isaac is finally born to him. And they turn in their walker. Uh, for a baby stroller. They turn in their Bengay for Desitin and, and, and they got this new baby and they're so excited and they're so, they're, they're so blessed and God comes along and says, I want you to give him back your son. I want you to offer him a sac- as a sacrifice. I want, you to, I want you to surrender his life to me. And you remember the Old Testament is a picture of Jesus. So everything in the Old Testament points to the New Testament. So Isaac is a type of Christ. And so Isaac... Gets all, Abraham gets all this stuff, packs Isaac up. They get on a donkey. They, they head up the mountain. Isaac pulls out the knife. He's just about to come down on him, and God stops him. And you know what God says? Now I know that you fear me. Now I know that you honor me. You see his faith, Abraham's faith, and his actions. God, I just don't believe you with my head. I'm going to trust you with my heart. And if you're telling me to do it, I don't understand it, but I'm going to do it because it's like two pedals on a bike and belief goes with action and trust goes with movement. They were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. Now, he didn't, again, you're not saved by works, you're saved for works. And you got to understand that. And then there's this other girl named Rahab that he illustrates. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute. Her story's found in Joshua 2. And, and some Israelites come to spy out the land. And because she believes in Jehovah God, she, she's heard what's happening to the Jewish people and how God's been delivering them and saving them. She believes that with her mind. She takes a step further. And she, and she lets these two spies come live in her home. Or not live, but stay in her home while they're... And she hides them and she protects them. And, and because she does that... She gave lodging, that's supposed to say spies, and sent them off in a different direction. The Bible says that she was commended 
She was commended for her faith. Abraham was a man. Rahab was a woman. Abraham was Jewish. Rahab was Gentile. Abraham was a patriarch. Rahab was a prostitute. Abraham was a somebody. Rahab was a nobody. Yet they both exhibited their faith in the same way. There was action connected to it. It's like, it's like, uh, you know, I've had to teach all five of my kids to swim and and I, you, know, you know, when they're trying to jump into the water, you're in three feet of water, and you're just like, hey, jump, I'll catch it. And Micah, now my youngest, he'll, I mean, he, he's, he doesn't wear goggles, he wears a mask. And, and he's got swimmies that cover his whole arm and a life jacket, and he's the safest kid I've ever met in my life. And, and I'm trying to convince him, Micah, just jump, just jump. One, two, no, Dad, it's too deep, it's too cold, you're too far away, I'm not going to make it. Come on, Micah, you can trust me. I'm going to catch you. I'm not going to let you drown. Do you trust me? Yeah, Dad, I trust you. Then jump. One, two. No, Dad, I'm not jumping. You got, if your parents, you've all been there. And, and, the, and the question is, do they trust me to catch them even if they don't jump? And the answer is no. See, faith? Yeah, Dad, I trust you. Without actions, without jumping, is dead. And James is saying, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm opposed to. That's what I'm trying to combat. That's what I'm trying to talk about. Our faith is not determined by what we do. We trust in Jesus. He's already did it. Our faith is demonstrated by what we do. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith or not. What kind of what kind of faith do you have? Is it indifferent? Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to put myself out there. I'm not going to do that. I, it's just between me and Jesus. I don't have to do anything. Or is it involved? Is it invisible? Oh, I, you know, I don't want anybody to know it. I don't want anybody to see it. Or is it on display? Is it an intellectual? Yeah, I believe God. Or is it from your heart? Here's what James says, and he closes it up. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. There's a song we used to sing in children's church. If you saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. Amen, everybody. Amen. Bow your heads and your hearts with me, will you?